The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Pick 6 Podcast, and this is Sunday Night Super Friends. That's Will Brenton. That handsome devil wearing a Bengals jersey and a tuxedo top is, of course, John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson. This is Sunday Night Super Friends, New, Year e- New Year's Eve, Week 17, NFL Recap 2023 edition. Breach is poised and ready to go for New Year's. That explains the outfit. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on the old YouTube, that NFL on CBS. And, of, uh, of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. All right. You know the deal. Hey, Wilson. Hit the top ten. Happy, hey, I just want to say that working with you during 2023 was fantastic. And while we won't know about all my bold predictions for the season until next year, I do want to say that my prediction that Breach would show up drunk and flustered for this podcast was accurate. All right, we're going to hit the top 10 <laughs> takeaways from week 17, a week that started with January. Joe Flacco arriving on the scene a month early. And we're living in a world where Flacco and the Browns are as close as you're going to get to a sure thing in the NFL. Maybe the only other sure thing. Shout out to producer Harry's wife, who's an English major and teacher. She will love that. The only sure thing, Harry, within a week left in the regular season is the old Baltimore Ravens and the official MVP of the Pick 6 podcast, as decreed by me, Lamar Jackson. All right, Brenton, a couple of questions here. Uh, One, is Lamar your MVP? Two, are the Ravens the best team in the NFL? And three, what has impressed you most about a team that not just beat the absolute dog dookie of the 49ers, but did it to the Dolphins in back-to-back weeks? Uh, yes and yes. Oh, good. Um, on MVP. I had him as my number one MVP before they beat the 49ers. So easy to just ride the wave, leave Lamar at number one. And I wrote for CBSSports.com after the Ravens game. And really, it was, it was almost done before the end of the Ravens game, like uh, Tyler Huntley was in there chucking passes to Charlie Kohler for touchdowns to make it 56 to 19, the final score. Uh, By the way, shout out to uh, a friend of the podcast, our good friend in real life, Adam Beasley, AKA wildcard who got absolutely dragged by old takes exposed for noting that there was zero chance in hell that the dolphins would get 42 points scored on them by the Ravens. Um, The Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football. They've answered every every question. Every time they've been asked a question by the schedule makers, they have answered it. They have done it in emphatic fashion at home and on the road. I think when you look at their, you know, they're actually better on the on the road. They're seven and one on the road this year and five and three at home. Their home losses are to the Colts, to the Browns, and 
or excuse me, five and two at home, seven and one on the road. Um, so just Colts and the Browns. They have now tied the record of the 1958-1961 Colts for most consecutive wins by 14-plus points versus teams who came into that game three games above 500. And I think we've talked about this Ravens team a lot. They didn't have not asked Lamar Jackson to use his legs to win a game at all, really, this season. Maybe a little bit against the Rams. He He's rushed well but he hasn't had to rush. He's been a great pocket passer. Todd Munkin deserves an insane amount of credit. And John Harbaugh deserves an insane amount of credit for bringing in this new Harbaugh gets credit for bringing in Munkin and Munkin deserves credit for getting this, the best out of Lamar Jackson, an absolute MVP season. I don't think there's a case to be made for anybody else, regardless of what happens in week 18. Lamar has been incredible from the pocket. He lost Mark Andrews. He's still performing. And here's a hot take for you. Lamar Jackson, with his performance against the Dolphins on Sunday, also cemented his Hall of Fame resume. All right. I'm not going to fall for that. Uh, that's clickbait there. As, as there's, they do there's, the video there. there's never been. That's fine. Let's hear what Breach has to say. There's never Brinson, been a two time. Can you name one Hall of Fame quarterback who's never been to a conference title game? <laughs> can you name can you name a quarterback okay, who's won? The answer is zero. Name, the answer is zero. Name, 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 name a player in NFL history who's won two MVPs who has not gotten into the Hall of Fame or will not get into the Hall of Fame eventually once they're eligible. Brenton, the answer is zero to my question, which you didn't answer. Uh, look, yeah, Lamar is awesome. We talked about after the 49ers game that he is the best quarterback, that he felt like the top MVP candidate, and this just cemented that. There is no taking him down. After a five-touchdown game, which, by the way, I love the fact that uh, John Harbaugh decided to have his quarterback throw a touchdown pass with under three minutes left when you're already up 49-19. to 19. Uh, That is just – that's taking the dagger, twisting it, pulling it back out, putting it back in, twisting it four more times. I mean, it was just overkill. Uh, but, look, the, the Ravens are the most dangerous team in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson's playing like this. Their offense is unstoppable as long as he is throwing the ball like this. Uh, I'm not sure how you beat them. And look, the Dolphins didn't have Jalen Waddle. They didn't have Ryan Mostert, not at full strength. But look, 56 to 19 is 56 to 19. So I'm not sure what you can say about the Ravens other than that they are clearly the best team in the NFL heading into the postseason. I, I think it is interesting, Wilson, that and you look, you guys are uh, AFC North of Fibes or Files or whatever it would be. You're a Steelers fan. He's a Bengals fan. Uh, like, I still feel the Ravens are, I mean, I know they just smoked the 49ers. They just torched the Dolphins. They have obliterated the Lions in Baltimore. They destroyed the Seahawks in Baltimore. You know, again, their losses are, they have like two where they gave a bunch of points late. They've, they've, they've been leading by 90 percent of the time that they played football this year and yet somehow i feel like they're a little underrated because people just don't want to like them does that seem uh, fair? that's not anybody on this podcast i think no, we're I don't underrated by this podcast i mean just in general oh, yeah, i can't we can we can talk about why we Ravens think they're good the no i well maybe but again i mean we could find people at every pocket every, every pocket of the internet I mean, there are people in the, on the internet that probably think Jake Browning should be starting over Joe Burrow when both are healthy. But I, I think oh, – <laughs> <reach as he, laughs> as he raises an eyebrow. But, I, I mean, we have talked up Lamar for much of this season, at least the last month or so, given the way they're playing, and there's no amount of 
revisionist history that's going to change basically what you just talked about. Uh, the okay. 49ers got curb stomped. Uh, the, the Dolphins got curb stomped. And certainly a million more questions about the Dolphins and 49ers right now than what we have about Baltimore. And Breach mentioned the injuries that Bradley Chubb went down with, who I think is an ACL. Uh, we saw Xavier Howard leave on a, on a cart early in that game. But as I was watching that game on um, Red Zone, a couple of things that come back to me. Um, Justice Hill went absolutely off today. They lost J.K. Dobbins a week one. They lost Keaton Mitchell a few weeks ago, both out for the season. Uh, they've had the, the offensive line be banged up. Uh, they've gone through players on both sides of the ball. Kyle Hamilton's been banged up, and they keep on chugging. And I think that's a testament to not only what um, John Harbaugh and that coaching staff has done, the coordinators on both sides of the ball, but also uh, the front office in terms of putting that team together. So yeah. you're not going to find anyone on this podcast Producer Harry might be a little salty given how his team was treated today in Baltimore, but I think we all agree that this is the best team in the NFL. Well, yeah, I just I just think that there is, for whatever reason, this sort of – and, and look, I, I think it's important because if you think about the two Ravens teams prior to – that won the Super Bowl prior to this Ravens team, you have the Trent Dilfer team with, I mean, all-time defense and plenty of characters on that defense – but they weren't very likable or enjoyable because they were doing it with defense and Trent Dilfer and Jamal Lewis. And then you had the Joe Flacco team, which had Ray Rice and Flacco, who was middling and average, and no one wanted to have the like the Flacco conversation was annoying. And they had Ray Lewis, who may or may not have you know, sprayed his body with deer antler steroids before the Super Bowl. Who is to say? They had a lot of good players, but it, like at no point, and, and this team has Lamar, and he's a superstar. But they have like a lot of re- just under the radar stars who like Zay Flowers is awesome. Isaiah Likely is playing awesome. Kyle Hamilton has done incredible work and really taken a big a bigger step in the second year. Roquan Smith is a star, but he's not like a national superstar. So well, I, the I, I don't that, have. They're not typically teams. Uh, they're not a national team. Would you agree with that? Reach? That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I I mean, and that might be the Britson's point that. It does feel like they flew under the radar for most of the season, even though they've been very good all season. It's not like they beat the 49ers and Dolphins and we're sitting here saying, hey, this is now the best team in the NFL. They've been good all year. As we mentioned last week, the only team along with the 2007 Patriots and 1972 Dolphins to hold the lead at the two-minute warning of every game. Uh, that's an insane number. That means, yeah. like, that's, that's bonkers. You're in a conversation that only two other, the only two undefeated regular season teams in NFL history have pulled off. So to that end, yeah, I, I do agree with Prince that maybe they were underrated a little bit, but they certainly are not anymore now that these two games, the 49ers and Dolphins games have been played. I, and I want to make one more point about Lamar Jackson before we, before we move on. I wrote about this in March, like March 15th. I think I just did a little, hmm, very nice. Tremendous article, by the way. Um, I read about it. Any team in the NFL that had a quarterback problem or even not a quarterback problem could have made an offer via an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson when the Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. Lamar tweeted out while John Harbaugh was eating eggs at the coach's breakfast at the owner's meetings that he wanted a trade out of Baltimore. Not one single NFL team made an offer to Lamar Jackson. The Panthers made it known quickly they did not want to pursue Lamar Jackson and then promptly traded a bunch of first-round picks to move up and get Bryce Young. The Commanders made it known 
They did not want to pursue Lamar Jackson and then promptly ran Sam Howell out there and the coach is going to get fired by obviously the Panthers coach already fired. The Falcons made it known that they did not want to pursue Lamar Jackson. I firmly still believe that the reason these teams didn't want to do it is because owners around the NFL didn't like the idea of Deshaun Watson in a fully guaranteed contract, did not want to see that become a thing that happened twice because then it beco- could become norm, the norm, with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert on deck and all these other extensions coming out and that all these owners got together and said, let's not offer anything for Lamar because in a league where quarterbacks are everything and these guys don't care about whose toes they step on to win football games, no one wanted the current MVP, a two-time MVP, and it's outrageous. Uh, Yeah, I I think that was a recurring storyline last week when Lamar started doing his MVP his MVP dance, if you want to call it that. I'll, I'll mention this quickly before we move on because the old Dolphins got a 50, 56 burger dropped on them. And um, I reached out to our guy, Justin Page, who's the uh, head of uh, stats for CBS, and he's freaking awesome. And I said, is there an easy way to find out how many 11-win teams got their doors blown off late in the season and um, what that meant? So here are the teams that had at least 11 wins late in the season and got absolutely obliterated in, in what happened to their futures. The, 1990, the 1991 Bears lost to the 49ers in Week 17. They were not sitting their starters. Jim Harbaugh started that game. They lost 52-14. to 14. The 1997 49ers got destroyed by the Chiefs in Week 11. They lost 44-9. to 96 uh, Broncos lost to the Packers, 41-6. Uh, breached the 88 Oilers. Jim Breach was on the team. Uh, beat the Ouch. Bengals, excuse me. The Bengals were 11 and three coming into that game, 41 to six. And here's what happened to those teams 91 Bears lost in their wild card matchup. The 97 49ers did win a division game, uh, but lost in the conference championship. The 96 Broncos lost uh, their first round game. And Breach, do you know what happened to the 88 Bengals? They made it to the Super Bowl. That's, that's what you right. want to be, Dolphins. That's what you want to be. That's right, Harry. So there's there's hope. There's hope. So You know what, Wilson, since you mentioned that, I will throw in one very quick fun fact because people might be wondering, the Dolphins are the first team since 1956 to score more than 55 points in a game in the same season where they also yeah. give up 55 or more points yeah. in a game. Yeah, that game has been that long. That game Before we move on, Sean Payton and Russ Wilson. <laughs> well, who, what's the name of the teacher whose classroom you're in? I'm Professor... I can't think, <laughs> Snake... Yes, Nate. Professor Snape's office. All right, Professor, let's move on. Let's talk about the 49ers. Uh, By the way, the Ravens have won the division. They have the number one seed. They're not playing the first week of the playoffs because they're that good. The 49ers, meanwhile, have won the division. They have also secured the number one seed. Um, Breach, they bounced back with a, I mean, they showed up and beat a commander's team that had to start Sam Howell. Sam Howell was sacked 50 times (laughs) in this game, it felt like. It was typical Sam Howell stuff. Uh, Threw a couple terrible interceptions. It looked like Christian McCaffrey came out late with a little calf injury. We don't know the severity of it, but Elijah Mitchell got some run. Brock Purdy has set the franchise record in uh, 16 games. Most passing yards in a season. Wrap your brain around that for the 49ers organization. Uh, San Francisco, best team in the NFC. And where do they rank compared to your Baltimore Ravens? Uh, First, I would just say that this was an easy trap game for the 49ers in the sense that they had to play on Christmas in the late game against the best team in the NFL, 
then on a short week, they had to fly across the entire country to play the Commanders. I mean, this was not a great spot on the schedule. If they had had some sort of letdown, I wouldn't have been surprised. But they did not. I mean, this team came out on fire. I think they scored on five of their first six possessions. Brock Purdy started like eight and nine. Uh, they just looked hot. And yet, I mean, your biggest concern out of this game is the Christian McCaffrey injury and whether that is anything that might linger. But even if he needs a week or two weeks to heal, well, you can sit him next week in week 18 because you already clinched the one seat. You can sit him when you have the bye. So he doesn't have to play again for almost a month if that's the case. So he's got three weeks to heal. So in that sense, that is not the worst thing because uh, you will get time to rest. But, yeah, I mean, this is the 49ers team that we all know and love that we've been gushing about all season. This is what they do. I mean, they put Eli Mitchell in there, and he was running up and down the field just like McCaffrey had been. It's not quite a plug-and-play offense because McCaffrey's definitely better. But the fact that you could put these other guys in and they put up these huge numbers, it's kind of mind-blowing. And we saw Brandon Ayuk have another big game. He'd been kind of missing for a couple weeks, goes over 100 yards. So, yeah, I think this is the, this is the offense. I think Kyle Shanahan probably wanted to see – this type of performance coming off the Ravens game and especially with the playoffs coming up, just knowing, all right, we still got this. We can beat any team in the NFC. Yeah. I, th I think the one thing you worry about with the Niners is you get blown out by the Ravens and then you go and look, they took care of business and they were just, they weren't going to lose this game. I think it was a little bit, it felt like it was a little bit closer. It was 10 to 10 and then it was 13 to, it was 10 to 10 late in the second quarter quarter 13 to 10 and a half and then the halftime adjustments i think it's just coaching and talent take over i do worry we we said for like this most of the second half of the season we kept saying the niners are the best team in football as long as they're healthy we just true was banged up Debo samuel banged up now christian mccaffrey banged up yes they have plenty of talent to overcome the injuries in a spot like at Washington who had to start Sam Howell, who was benched for Jacoby Brissett, but then Jacoby Brissett got hurt midweek in practice. So Sam, Sam Howell had to start anyway, like this Washington team is phoning it in. I, so I just, I worry just a touch about the health of the, the I don't know the 49ers. This is a, a casual cover, a casual win on the road against a you know, conference team. A little bit of a revenge game for Kyle, but I, I just worry that a little bit like revenge I don't know, man. It's a terrible football team. <laughs> well, Dan Snyder doesn't own him anymore, so I don't, I don't know that he necessarily hates hey, him as I will, much. Let me point this out to you and tell me what you think of this. I think uh, I don't know if anyone's talked about this, but we're underselling Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, taking it to Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay slash uh, Frank Smith offenses. Like those, they, those teams have no chance against. Uh, the Mike McDonald defense, well, given all those players they have on the Ravens. Well, we made, we made that point on um, HQ. Was it you and I making that point on HQ? Or I, I I made that at some point. It was like it benefits you to play the Niners right before you play the Dolphins because you're you have these really fast linebackers in Roquan Smith, etc., who can fly around horizontally, and you sort of know what the scheme looks like. Um, as far as the Niners go, though, and this is not a playoff picture question; it's more of a by the way, Dallas currently the number two seed. I don't know, man. I feel like you look at the NFC and just with the way the 49ers are dinged up and all of the injuries and the way that Baltimore handled them, it feels a lot less like they're unstoppable when it comes to that side of the bracket now. 
Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? But again, it's a it's a week to week thing, no doubt about it. And we talked yeah. last week. If the Ravens had lost this game, we'd be having another conversation. But um, oh, for, well, I mean, two weeks ago we were like, I mean, like, where would you take the 49ers in the Super Bowl draft right now? Well, number two behind the still Ravens. two. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, Princeton's Rams have cleansed the playoff spot now that my Geno Smith lost to my Mason Rudolph. So we'll talk Let's about that baby. in a moment uh, to continue the conversation of the NFC that Princeton mentioned there. Um, Producer Harry asked a very fair question, especially in light of losing to the Kyler Murray's, another revenge game that Princeton will manufacture. Uh, the Eagles lost at home to a Cardinals team, an upstart Cardinals team. Shout out to, to what uh, Jonathan Gannon's getting out of that crew. Shout out to Kyler Murray for playing well. How do you fix the Eagles? Producer Harry asks. Um, so Philly's making the playoffs. They only have a 20% chance to win the division now. They have to beat the Giants next week, and Dallas has to lose to Washington for that to happen. But, Brenton, let me read you some some sad facts if you're an Eagles fan to try to answer the question about how you fix the Eagles. On offense, over the last month, since week 13, um, they're 27th in, in allowing turnovers near the bottom in terms of the most. They have eight turnovers over that span. They're not making any explosive plays, only six plays of 25 or more yards over the last month. That's 27th. They're terrible in the red zone. On defense, they're near the bottom in takeaways. They're near the bottom in allowing uh, opponents uh, points per game, near the bottom in yards per game, both uh, passing and uh, against the run. They're near the bottom in sacks. They're near the bottom in stopping third down conversions and fourth down conversions, and they're 31st in red zone efficiency in terms of they're letting teams into the end zone uh, or kicking field goals once again to the red zone more than every other team except one. So to bring you back to Harry's question, how do you fix the Eagles? I mean, look, if you take the Eagles since the bye, week 10, they beat the Chiefs and the Bills coming out of the bye, and both of those wins were like total, they just find ways to win, even though they clearly got beat in those games' wins. They should have lost both of those games. They lose the next three to the Niners, Cowboys, and Seahawks. They beat the Giants on Christmas Day, and it wasn't easy, and it wasn't, they could have been gone the other way. And then they lose at home to the Cardinals six days later. This is a team that, quite frankly, could be nine and six. Do you want to get that? No, we're not talking about the Cardinals here, but it just pops to my head. The Cardinals actually beat the Eagles and the Cowboys this year, so that's noteworthy. Cardinals, look, revenge game for Jonathan Gannon, of course. Uh, frisky, frisky, frisky response by the Cardinals here. Um, Welcome. The Cardinals went undefeated in the state of Pennsylvania. They're the Pennsylvania state champions. James Conner revenge game against Pittsburgh and the, the Eagles and the Steelers. That's right. And they, they, and they, and they, and they, and they, so they good call in James Conner revenge game. They swung through and smoked Penn state too. in the, uh, in the, in the peach bowl while they're at it. I think that I just have a Philly feels like the, you know, we're talking about the Rams and we're talking about the Bills and the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. They're getting hot at the right time. Everything's kind of clicking at exactly the right time you want it to. Philly feels like the polar opposite of that. And they were this team that early on, remember, they beat the Patriots. They barely beat the Patriots week one on the road in New England. You know, tough spot. They beat the Vikings by one score. They handled the Bucks on that Monday night game, I think. Um, it was an early Monday night game. They barely beat the Commanders at home. Barely beat the, they just they're just like living on these like a bunch of these one score games. They've been wobbly all season long, and I have a really really hard time trusting them when we get to the playoffs. And if we talk about what's going to happen, they're going to lose the division now. 
Yeah, it's well, almost unfathomable that they're losing the division, the NFC East, to the Cowboys. They have to they have to beat the Giants, and uh, the Dallas has to lose to Washington. Uh, both those games are on the road for the teams that we're talking about here. Uh, Breach. Philly had and, to beat the Giants twice and the Cardinals once to get the division, and they couldn't do it. Well, that's why we play the games. So, Breach, I was talking to our buddy Debo, who's a diehard Eagles fan, and I said to him before this game, I said, would you rather have Brian Johnson, who replaced Shane Steichen, calling plays for the rest of the season, or Matt Patricia, who is now the defensive coordinator, just calling both offensive and defense plays? He said, Matty P. So, where are you on how you fix this mess? Well, I, I'm not sure how you fix it in the next two weeks, which is what you need to do because the playoffs start in two weeks. Uh, but I think it all comes down to Jalen Hurts. He just does not look like the Jalen Hurts of last year. If you would have said to someone, hey, look, Jalen Hurts finishes this game 18-23 to 23 and throws three touchdown passes, you're probably thinking, well, that's not that bad. But, oh, he only threw for 167 yards. I mean – Threw for under 170 yards, and this offense just isn't intimidating anymore. I mean, you're talking about an offense that has Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Swift, who was on fire early in the season. The rushing attack has kind of slowed down, and it, it, it just seems like it's seems like it's not one thing. It's a collection of things, this confluence of things that has just kind of hit this team at the worst time. And I think they're getting frustrated because they can't figure out how to fix it. And you have these guys pointing fingers. Even after they beat the Giants, they were pointing fingers, and that was a game they won. How do you think they're going to feel after they lost their former defensive coordinator, who probably loved the fact that he was going in this game? As you guys mentioned, it's a revenge game, but it's also one where he's thinking, these guys have not been good on offense. We are going to beat them. And remember, they had a pick six in this game, so the offense only scored 24 points. Uh, I'm not sure how you fix it, and certainly not how you fix it in two weeks. Jalen Hurst just has to play better. AJ Brown. I mean, it's worth noting that the defense has been absolutely atrocious. So Jalen Hurts has not been himself, no doubt about it. And there are questions about the play calling, no doubt about that. But the defense has not helped out, and that's oh, defense has been terrible. So they have nine sacks over the last since week thirteen, which ranks twenty seventh. Who do you think has the most sacks since that time? What's team? The Chicago Bears. That's not a terrible guess. Do you want to guess, Breach? Uh the Ravens. The Houston Texans. Think Ooh, about Will that. Anderson. Will Anderson. So that's, today. I mean, that, that's sort of the, you know, the numbers no one talks about, but how it helps a team, a young team, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, that's where well, part of the reason why the Eagles so, are where they are. Since, Hall since Halloween, A.J. Brown, who I love. I think A.J. Brown's an incredible football player. But if you love him, you'll tell me his full name. Uh, and uh, Arthur Juan Brown. Oh, snap. He got it. He got I just it. got it. Arthur Juan Brown. Way to go. All right. You love him. Go ahead. Snap on um, me. <laughs> That's right. You got snapped. Since Halloween, he has two touchdowns. No, excuse me. Uh, oh, yeah, two touchdowns and one 100-yard game. And that 100-yard game came in the 42-19 to loss to the 49ers. So plenty of garbage time there. It has been this, – this passing attack is not what it was. It feels like the Eagles' offense is – and maybe this is – partially because of how you know when you're watching a bunch of games and you're hearing the commentary it feels like the eagles offense is basically designed to get them into tush push situations oh they're crushing it on third and fourth down conversions i will give them that in terms of all right. the things we talked about they just run the tush push every time and maybe there's something to that all right we'll hey, you gain three yards per tush push you run it four times that's the first time every time just go down the entire field yeah i mean problem solved don't complicate it all right breach 
Let's talk about the Chiefs-Bengals game. Specifically, we'll ask the same question we asked about the Eagles. How do you fix the Chiefs? But you can do that uh, in the course of the conversation about why the Chiefs are now not going to the playoffs and why the, Chief, uh, the Bengals, excuse me, and why the Chiefs are now the number three seed, it looks like, unless some magic happens, and how that game basically came down to Harrison Bucker having to do the heavy lifting because the offense in Kansas City still feels like it's stuck in the mud. Well, first, I am wearing what I'm wearing because I'm at a Cincinnati Bengals New Year's Eve party at my sister's house. Uh, that is where I'm wearing a tuxedo coat over a Bengals jersey. It's probably the best for the best of the Bengals lost. Why you, what, what it, does your sister? I what is this room in your sister's house? Like, I, I, and if it's like something you don't want to, like, this like, is mostly homeschools or kids. Oh, no, okay, I'm just okay, kidding. It's it. not. It's, that's a joke. Oh. I made that up. That's a very good call. This is the basement, like guest room, but also office. Nice. Okay. 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 So it's an office situation where it's a nice house. That's the basement yesterday. All right, I mean, go it ahead, looks, it looks like you're in Citrix. No one cares. About so, look, here's the thing about the Chiefs is they are not even remotely as close to broken as the Eagles. If I got lined up and have to face the Chiefs in the first round, I'm a little worried uh, as a playoff team facing them. So if you are, I don't know, you know, the, the Dolphins, if they lose to the Bills in Week 18, could be staring at a wild card game against the Chiefs in the 6-3 game. So, the thing about Kansas City, though, is even when the offense is struggling, their defense has been playing well. I mean, Jake Browning got sacked six times in this game, and that's really why they won, because the, the, the Bengals couldn't do anything in the second half. I think they had under 100 yards. They couldn't move the ball, and Browning was running for his life. And then the other thing where I think Andy Reid's probably smiling after this game because he's thinking, all right, we got our running game going. Isaiah Pacheco's out here going over 100 yards. He blew up in the first half. Uh, I think with 88 yards. And then the other thing you wanted to see was we need to find a receiver that Patrick Mahomes absolutely trusts. And it's feeling more and more like Rasheed Rice is becoming that guy. I mean, five catches for 127 yards. And, and when you're talking about the fact that Mahomes is feeling more and more comfortable with him as we're getting closer to the playoffs. So the Chiefs kind of have a safety net because their defense does play so well and is going to keep them in games while the offense is struggling. But, you know, the Chiefs' offense isn't going to struggle for four quarters in almost every game. Uh, they're going to play well eventually. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs are – I would not want to face in the playoffs. I think they are going to get warm, maybe not hot. Yep. I, still, I still don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I do – would not be surprised at all if they win a wild card game. I, I think that – and maybe, maybe I'm just not giving this take strongly enough, um, but I, I feel like I've alluded to it. The Chiefs' defense has been really, really good all season long. There's no reason to believe that it's going to fall off a cliff. Travis Kelsey, obviously jinxed by Taylor Swift. That's clear enough. I mean, like everyone can see that. Clip it and post it, Harry, and get me canceled. Um, Brenton's canceled we, for 2024. <laughs> 2023. I think didn't think, didn't think 2023 could be worse. Um, I just think that. Like remember the first Chiefs Super Bowl with Mahomes and Andy Reid, the offense was incredible. Mahomes playing quarterback better than he played in his MVP season, and like they needed the defense to get hot. But I always, it always feels like if you're asking the Chiefs defense to just get hot, that's that's maybe you're like uh, like that could happen, but it's kind of random. Even though Steve Spags has done it with the Giants too, the Chiefs defense is already hot. I'm I'm willing to gamble on Mahomes, Kelsey, and R Rasheed Rice just figuring something out, and the the coaching staff for the Chiefs designing stuff that allows 
you know, Isaiah Pacheco to run better, to protect Mahomes better. They haven't been good offensively, but if there was one unit in the NFL that you think could just flip the switch out of nowhere and go zero to 60 overnight for no particular reason, it's the Chiefs offense, right? No, I'm not willing to go that far. You mentioned Why? That they have, they have, all, they have, they have the, they, they have 1.5 players that outside of Patrick Mahomes. That's Travis Kelsey, who we keep wondering whether he's over his, in a prime, out of yeah, his prime or not, just, which I don't he, think but, he but I'm saying, and I'm they saying, also have Rice. So who else surprisingly flip the switch and it just goes on and you're like, we should have seen that coming. It's Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they Travis Kelsey. against a Bengals defense that Breach, I think you will admit, has not been very good this season. The Bengals defense? Yes. It's trash. It has not been good in the, I mean, it's been, it been great, it's been trash but lately. when your offense can't get first downs, it's struggling. That, that hurts the defense. So, yes, well, that's why it, I'm not, it, I don't it, think it has been worse than last year. Right. I don't think the Chiefs can flip the switch, especially when the defenses are going to get a lot better. Now, I, I take your Harrison point. Harrison Bucker hit six straight field goals, by the way. Yeah, I take, your, I take both your points that this team, you, they're not a team you want to face, and certainly you'd rather face them than the Eagles if you're in the NFC. I get all that, but I, I don't I don't know. I, I still got some questions. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about an upstart Texas team and tell you why and how, Breach, they can win the AFC South right after this. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, boys. All right, Brett. We Houston. Brenton Wilson. Oh, gosh. I was getting ready to call him out. All right. Breach, I'll come back to you then. So, CJ Stroud <laughs> missed two games with concussion, came back, and was lights out. Looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Pukatuku had another huge game, but I think CJ is going to have to be the, the rookie of the year no matter what. He's been that good. Um, he's helping get this team to the playoffs. He just talked about the defense being so good in the last month in terms of the sacks. But here's what's going to happen, Breach. The Jags lose next week at Tennessee, and we'll see if Will Levis plays. He had to leave this game with a foot injury. Ryan Tannehill might be a better option, for being honest. And Houston uh, wins next week against Indianapolis in Indy. They win the division. It's that simple. For Houston? For Houston. And even if the Jags win that game and Houston win next week, Houston wins next week, they're in the playoffs. So uh, the future is in their hands and they can get a little help to win the division. But if they win, they are in. How excited are you about this Texas team? How quick is this turnaround? And are they dangerous should they get them themselves to the playoffs? I love the Texans. Watching the Texans is fun. Watching them play is fun. Not just offensively, defensively, they absolutely dominated Tennessee today. Not that that's difficult because the Titans' offense has been horrible all year. As you said, C.J. Stroud misses two games, comes out, looks efficient, plays pretty well, and that's what you want to see because you want to get them back in, win the game, get them back to being comfortable, and then go out and get your playoff berth against the Colts next week by beating them. But, yeah, I think the Texans, they get in the playoffs. I think they can absolutely win a game. I don't think they are a Super Bowl team, but that's just because rookie quarterbacks don't make it to the Super Bowl. It's just the playoffs are another level of pressure that you can't simulate. You don't know it until you get there. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Texans could absolutely get to the divisional round. Brenton stopped when I said they're not a Super Bowl team, though. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's the, the, yeah, that's a not a bold claim. Okay. Brenton, did they win the division? No. Um, Jackson. No. I think the Jack the Titans are bad off, dude. Well, Titans, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> may play, and CJ Beathard may play. 
Brian Tannehill played today. <laughs> it didn't help. Well, they were down big when he had to come in. Uh, no, no, no. He came in. But was, I think it was like it was under, it was fourteen nothing that met, at Memphis when he came in. <laughs> That's down. <laughs> That's down. Well, I mean, anymore. I know. I'm just saying. I mean, Tannehill came in, and I, I had I had in DFS. I had some CJ Stroud stuff with bringbacks with like Traylon Burks, and it was like Tannehill came in. and I was like, yes. Now we've got a shootout on our hands. I, the Texans scored three points. I mean, the Titans scored three points. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to scoff at the idea of the Texans like making a run, but we know that traditionally rookie quarterbacks do not fare well in their first playoff game. Um, CJ Stroud, I believe his only playoff game was against Georgia and he was great. So, you know, in college, I, I don't want to rookie quarterbacks. He's been better than he's all. Been awesome. But if, if the Browns beat the Bengal, I'm, I'm just doing some quick napkin math here. Ravens hit their starters. Steelers win. Browns beat the Bengals. Do the Browns care or do they not care? So Bengals probably Neither win. Neither team care. That game means nothing to the playoffs. Okay, okay. So, so all right. So, whatever. That doesn't matter. Texans beat the Colts. Chiefs beat the Chargers. And then the only other AFC matchup, Jags over the Titans, Jets over the Patriots. So, just plug those in. If the Bills win, it's Houston as a seven seed at Buffalo as a two seed. And if the Dolphins win, it's Houston as a six seed at KC as a three seed. So awesome if Houston gets in. This is one where when we in the offseason, when we say they had a great season, you can have a great season without winning the Super Bowl. Not every team goes into the season thinking, can we win this? We can win the Super Bowl. I mean, they, they may think that. It's not true. If the Texans make the playoffs and are competitive in a wild card weekend game at Buffalo or at Kansas City, then big, big old golf claps all around. CJ Stroud's been incredible. Will An- they might have the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. Will Anderson could steal it. Because he had two sacks today, and like Jalen Carter, I think is the favorite, but that's a pretty nebulous race. Now it, that hadn't fared well for the Jets after last season, but nevertheless, Houston is the trajectory is up, and if you're a Texans fan, you have to feel good for the first time in a long time about where you're at. You know what? what? The, we had this debate last year. Do you remember? I think it was the Vikings we used as the can your season still be a success if you lose in the first round of the playoffs? If if the Ravens lose in the first round of the playoffs, their season is not a success. If the Texans lose in the first round of the playoffs, their season is still an absolute success. So it just depends on what this level is. you're at. And I totally agree with you, Brenton, that no matter what happens, if this team gets to the postseason, this is, I mean, just a huge success no matter what happens in the playoffs. So play with house money after that if they're in the postseason. Yeah, and I wouldn't actually sleep on them if they had to go to Kansas City. That offense is actually playing better than Kansas City's offense right now. And the defense uh, isn't far behind. So that'll be fun. But again, the expectations outside of that building are are not ones that they get too far in January. But hey, that's why you also, play the game. I, uh, Wilson, I mean, this is your, um, you know, your realm. But I think your wheelhouse. Houston traded up for a future first at, with Arizona at the time. And to get Will Anderson third overall after taking a quarterback. Doing the, trading a future first to get a pass rusher. Pretty bold. At third overall, and he's he one he's panned out, and two, the pick is I think going to be at worst fifteen. Like fifteen would be the worst pick they give up, which I think to me is a net win. You always oh, gamble when you do that. Way but, more but, than but, that. Yeah, right. No one's talking about it. Like no one is talking about it. 
And but that's everyone's talking about Carolina. Like David Tepper threw a drink on the fan. We'll get to that. In, or allegedly yeah, threw a drink on the fan. Video, yes, yeah. Even if Carolina wasn't in this universe, no one would be talking about this trade because it hasn't worked out. Right. And the other and thing, Arizona's, Arizona's not mad, but they're like, oh, man, we thought that was going to be a higher pick. No, I'm sure Arizona's, they got Paris Johnson Jr. They moved down and got some extra picks too. I'm, I'm sure they're probably happy with certainly the way Kyler's playing. But the thing that I kept hearing during the draft process was that the Texans did not love CJ. They loved Bryce. They loved Will Anderson and was thinking about taking him at number two. And obviously something changed before that happened, but they did go back up and get Will Anderson. And I've been saying this since the start of the season, <laughs> CJ's been balling out. Sometimes you get the quarterback you, you need, not the one you want. And that's a cautionary tale for teams picking in this draft and for everyone till the end of time. But yeah, absolutely. No one is talking about that pick. It's been an absolute grand slam. Will Anderson's been awesome. And obviously CJ Stroud's been somehow better than that. All right. Shout out to the Texans for doing their thing. Uh, Brinson. Not so much of a shout-out to the Buccaneers. We've been talking up old Baker Mayfield, and I don't know what happened today. I mean, you hate Derek Carr with the passion of a million Oof. sons, and he's been playing well <laughs> the last few weeks. I don't hate Derek Carr, but I watch him and go, how's that guy on the field? And then the last few weeks, he's just been doing, doing enough to help them win football games. Uh, this team, this game was a, over pretty early yep. on, and then the Bucs mounted yep. a little bit of a comeback. Here's the thing, though, with the Buccaneers. If they win next week at Carolina, they win the division. That's it. Lose and they miss the playoffs no matter what happens because the winner of the Atlanta-New Orleans game ends up winning the division, which is crazy to think in terms of how the Falcons have played. So winning your end against the David Teppers, problem solved. But I would imagine you feel better about the Texans than you do about the Buccaneers right now, or am I wrong? Uh, Long-term or short-term? And, and Just a playoff matchup when they get to their next opponent. Um, No, I – well – Because the Bucs will probably play the Eagles, if, as we sit here. You know, it's, again, you said this, Wilson, it's a week-to-week league. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's it's so true. A week ago, it was like... Yeah, that's true. The Buccaneers, hey, what, the Cowboys on the road against the Buccaneers? That's a problem for Dallas. Now it's like, I, if I was... I think I would pick Tampa to beat Philly. Yeah. Just And by the way, that's a shootout. That's an over-game city. But those defenses stink. Um I think we'll get a better game for Baker and the Bucks against Carolina, which I, guess, I suppose is obvious. I mean, Carolina, again, the coaches, the owners throwing drinks around in, in Jacksonville, like leave my Duval family alone. Yep. Um, Derek Carr still just wasn't like, he's still just Charles check down. And the Saints defense showed up and shut down the Buccaneers until midway through the fourth quarter. Like that's the story. I mean, Derek Carr mounted 20 points against a horrible defense in Tampa Bay, and he's not throwing picks. That's great, but he's not doing like anything that you know blows me away from a production standpoint. So, um, by the way, I'm getting texts from my aunts and uncles, and my my mom is texting me about David Tepper. Okay, like that's how that's how biggest this is going to blow. This is going to be a big story. I'm getting texts from my family. My mom, my mother, who doesn't even like football. I'm going to guess like, that it's not going to be a big story just because David Tepper is uh, an angry elf who likes to. Dude, Ryan, you can't be NFL owner and dump drink on an NFL fan. He That's threw a-, a drink out the window on like a Jaguars fan in a game where like you are eliminated for the playoffs. You're just mad. You're giving up the one, the number one overall pick, and this guy's mouthed off, calling you the worst owner since Dan Snyder. You lose. You're worth sixteen billion dollars, and some jabroni from Duval County gets in your head and makes you lose your mind when you flip a drink out. What is the what the hell, man? I think the bigger surprise is that you're surprised that he act, acted that way. 
that's a pretty – do you – I mean, are the, the only thing that compares is Bud Adams, no. and this is at least – it was like the Titans-Texans you know, Titans, thing. Bud Adams giving the double bird from the owner's box to a crowd that was booing him because he moved the team out of a city. This is David Tepper, like, losing his mind and lashing out by throwing a drink and a well, random Jaguars. Out of the, he stormed out of whatever game that was and yelled the F word moments before he fired Frank He threw Wright. a drink on a Jaguars fan. He threw a drink over the edge. I'm sure he knew it was going to hit someone. He didn't know who. I, I mean, look, I'm not surprised. I'm not absolving of him. I'm not absolving him, but it's uh, you're surprised, Brees. Wilson, are you on Tepper's payroll? Seriously, how are you like you're offending the man? That's exactly what I'm not doing. I just said I don't absolve him and I don't think it's okay to do, but I'm not surprised. You're surprised? I've never seen an owner do this in in the history of the NFL. Well, I've never seen I mean, I guess it's New Year's Eve and people get a little crazy on New Year's Eve. Your team's (laughs) the worst team in football, and you like are you mad you locked up the one seed? And and you got shut out by a franchise that only has nine shutouts in history (laughs) in their team history. Yeah, that's why I'm not surprised. He's he has a temper. He's used to getting his way. He he's fired more coaches than Breach has tuxedos. I mean, it's that's, that's I was, just I was three by the way. But yeah. suffice suffice to say, the point is, I think Tampa wins the division because they get to play the Panthers in Week 18 when David Tepper is right. Like I I actually think we won't do an emergency podcast on this because we don't do emergency podcasts for GMs. I think there's a really good chance that in the next seven days, Scott Fitterer is fired by David Tepper because David Tepper has to blame somebody else for the problems of the Carolina Panthers. And it's since everyone knows it's not the coaching staff's fault, that it's his problem that is going to be laid at the foot of the GM. Or Fitterer gets to keep his job uh, for six more weeks because the NFL suspends Tepper for six weeks for throwing his drink at a fan. All right, let's move on. We can talk about Drinkgate once it blows up. On the old TikToks, Brinson will be keeping us surprised of those goings on. Next up, a more con- do we play the fire Ryan Wilson button? Woo! I don't know if you know it. It's a little early for that, but sure. My twelve-year-old uh, was happy to learn that was a, a one kind of thing. Is it, is it playing? Yeah, that's it. I'm just. Yeah. All right. It's an all timer. Right. Speaking of controversies, oh boy, the Fighting Dan Campbells should have won that football game. And here's Harry's headline. And actually, I don't agree with it, and I'll tell you why. Dan Campbell's aggression will cost his team in the playoffs. And Harry, of course, is not talking about the two-point conversion that was overturned for controversial reasons, but the decision to keep going for it as the penalties mounted and they kept moving further away from the goal line. And, Breach, here's why Dan Campbell did that. This team has the number three seed pretty much locked up. That's where they're going to be. And I think he sent a message to his team that we are not going to back down from anybody, no matter how bad Mike McCarthy's play calling is. If we bail him out in this situation, we'll double back and and get him or someone else later in the playoffs. We are going to – I trust my guys. I think they're going to win. We're going to go up against this adversity, and this will make us stronger and galvanize us down the stretch instead of being soft and just kicking the extra point. We don't care about that. That's what I think his thought process was. What do you think of that theory in terms of what Dean Campbell did at the end of that game that ended up ultimately costing the game third to number three seed? Well, it makes sense to an extent, but if I'm saying to my kid, like I'm trying to teach my kid to stand up for herself, but I run into like Mike Tyson and, and bump into him and now he wants to fight me. No, I'm running away. Like, so like at some point you have to use common sense and say, all right, maybe we don't have to get crazy here and we don't have to put this attitude in where we're going for it on every fourth down regardless 
of how you feel about NFL officiating and the call against Decker. Uh, once that five yard penalty was hit, you got to kick the extra point. Just get the tie, go to overtime. You're, you're, you're going on a low percentage play. If the idea is to give your team the best chance to win and you're playing the percentages, going for two from the seven yard line is a horrible, horrible decision. And so that part of it, and of course, no one's really talking about that because of the fact of what happened before that. Uh, but I just could not believe that he refused to kick the extra point. There. What about it was the long like, game, though? What about the long game? Well, no, here's, here's, here's the other part about it, too, though. You go for it on the seven-yard line, and you're like, and that's one of those where, you know, you lose like a terrible blackjack hand, and you're like, F it, I'm shoving my, I'm still going in. But you do it, and then like you get bailed out because you push, so you don't lose any money. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to pull back a little bit of this. He gets another chance to go from the three, kick it on the three after the offsides. Okay, like the that's what you have to like. If he hit James Mitchell in the flat, and it was an easy throw. That's sure, they win. I'm and just I think, saying. Let, let me ask you though. Yeah. I get no one disagrees with the what you're doing and what the the numbers say and what common sense says. But in terms of the long plan, like the long game, in terms of we're in this together. We trust each other, yada, yada, yada. You buy into that, or is that just stuff, words? Yeah, let me just say this real quick. Just real quick, because if you keep doing this, the long plan is you turn into Brandon Staley. If no, it doesn't Lord, work out in your you. favor, mm. it blows up in your face. Like, that's the flip side here, and now we have an example of that. You can be aggressive, but if it keeps blowing up in your face, that starts to add up. Okay. This is ball number one, though, right? I, I, I do think that I, – I think, I think what he was doing was – he he goes for it, he goes for it goes for two on the like on the road against this team that you know you might have to see in the playoffs and it's the bold move I love it we always complain when coaches don't do that on the road tough environment you go go get the win like you're already in the playoffs you already like you're role playing with house money a little bit the problem is when he got screwed by the refs, he sort of got tilted and then like doubled down and then didn't have the the wherewithal to back down from the three when just kick it and go to overtime. Now, now I don't think he felt that way, but that's that's fine. I get I, but, what you're saying. But but uh, but here's the difference with him and Brandon Staley. In one the will kick your ass and the other one won't. Yeah, Brandon Staley, <laughs> Brandon Staley will like hit you with a. a Ti eighty two or something like uh, like like the Texas Instruments yeah, uh, calculators. Clearly, you didn't go to math class. <laughs> I'm an English major. <laughs> Suck it, Carnegie. Don't, hey, don't. you went to David. You went to the David Tepper School of something at Carnegie he Mellon, right? Business school. I didn't go to the business school, uh, but he he does own the business school. Yes. At any rate, I I do think that there is something to be said because remember Staley that first year went for it like crazy, and there was clearly a message from the front office and ownership. Hey, buddy, this is too much. Dan Campbell is just saying, this is who we are and how aggressive we're going to be. I think it will benefit him and his team in the playoffs because you won't have instances like the the famous Matt LaFleur, the fourth and three from the whatever, where they kick the field goal down, uh, like down 13. To the to 10. Yeah. But in other words, Dan, Dan, Jared Goff and this offense – all know what Dan Campbell's going to do in the moment in the playoffs. No one's going to hesitate. No one's going to flinch. No one's going to question him for doing it. They know he's going to be aggressive. And I think having that, um, like knowing that in your head going into the playoffs as, 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 as these players makes a difference because you're not second guessing anything. You're like, dude, this is, this is what we do. 
This oh, okay. is how so we're going to approach you it. You agree with my theory? Awesome. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Breach look, lose. Look, I'll say Soccer one more breach. thing about that. They had a fourth down earlier oh! in the game. Oh! In the first half, fourth and goal from the four, they were up seven to, or they were down seven three. But their defense was playing really well. The only score at that point was when they blew the coverage on the ninety two yard touchdown. But other than that, the Lions' defense had dominated the game. That early in the game, I'm just taking the points, chipping away, and feeling confident about my team. Kick the field goal, make it seven six. Uh, they went for it, didn't get it, and I mean, it was another instance of Campbell being aggressive, and it didn't pan out. I mean, but that's going to happen. You're aggressive. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it gets magnified by the situation like it did, like it would have been in this game if the other stuff didn't happen. Almost sounds like you're talking about the Bengals going for it on fourth and goal and not getting it. Oh, maybe should have kicked the field goal. I don't know. Dang it, Zach. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to let Breach talk about why the Steelers are going to make the playoffs after a an invigorating win against my Geno Smith in Seattle, right? after this. I'm done. Bye. All right, Breach. The Fighting Mason Rudolphs. I had no expectation for them. They're terrible when they travel cross country. Uh, they're usually terrible in Seattle. And all they did was run the ball for 5 million yards. George Pickens played like a Hall of Famer that Lamar Jackson is. And Mason Rudolph looks like a legit quarterback. I was telling producer Harry before we started, Geno Smith is so freaking good. They won despite his, uh, they lost despite his best efforts. Uh, but this is a huge win for the Steelers. If the Steelers went out, and they have at Baltimore, uh, as you noted, they'll be resting their starters almost certainly. And if Jacksonville uh, beats Tennessee and Buffalo beats Miami, Pitt will be out. But if Tennessee or Miami win, Pitt is in. And as producer Harry notes, if Pittsburgh wins and Miami wins, Buffalo America, America loses. America loses. We'll talk about that in, in the uh, playoff pictures in a second. But Breach, how have the Steelers gotten to this point after the way they played in the James Conner loser bowl and in the Bailey Zappi loser bowl? Lost to two, two win teams at the time. They look to be on death's door. Bench Mason Rudolph. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Biscay. By the way, Mike Tomlin, 17 straight non-losing seasons. Uh, well, you're the Steelers expert. You tell me. But I will say real quick that it feels like they figure out how to run the ball. They Hey, look, we're a team that runs the ball, that sets up our pass. And also, Mason Rudolph is not afraid to throw the ball downfield, which it feels like Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky would avoid at all costs. And those two things have just totally recreated this offense into something that actually works, which doesn't make sense because for 15 weeks, this offense was broken and did not work. Mason Rock did not throw a touchdown today, but he was highly efficient, huge completions, and he threw the ball to George Pickens, who was the most athletic receiver. It was like Pickett and uh, Trubisky would avoid throwing the Pickens. And here, look, Pickens had a huge game. He had a huge game against the Bengals. Keep throwing to George Pickens. They're just playing smart football. What are the, are the, I'm trying to think of like the teams all time that make the least amount of sense. And uh, the, like, the Vikings last year, 2017 or 2017 Buffalo bills. Yeah. Before, with they, uh, Nate Peterman. Yeah. When they, they benched, they benched Tyrod Taylor for Nate Peterman. Eight through six picks in the first half. Because they haven't made the playoffs yet. It always comes down to week, whatever the last week of the season is for the Steelers. But I mean, like d does anything about the Steelers season this year make sense? It makes more sense once you get rid of Matt Canada and Mason Rudolph takes the field, which is a wild time to be alive. I, I, I guess, man, I don't know. This team is so – I mean, I, I know – look, I'm only going to get to say it one more time before 2024. But no, you're going to say in the playoffs when they make their way to the Super Bowl. You'll get a couple more weeks to say it. No, nah, buddy, they will get blown out. In the, look, credit to Mike Tomlin. Credit to Mike Tomlin. <laughs> 
He's he can coach the hell out of a football team. He can't hire to save his life. His coaching tree stinks. His coaching tree stinks. He hires all the wrong people. He hired a bunch of NC State coaches. I I don't understand the Steelers team. <laughs> Kenny, oh Wilson, give us a, give us an old school Kenny Pickett real quick. I prefer uh, Mason uh, Brett Rudolph. His name's Mason Brett. Rudolph. And He's hundred percent a Brett. Kenny needs to stay on the bench. Let's keep it at that. Um, all right, they lost to the Cardinals and the Patriots at home in back-to-back weeks, and have won their last two games against the. the then lost to the Colts on the road, have beat the Bengals, and have beaten the Seahawks on the road, and now they're somehow. And I'll be curious to see how John Harbaugh plays this. Because well, give me a little history lesson. This is before John Harbaugh got there. But when Brian Billick was there in 2003, breach Jamal Lewis was going for 2,000 yards. The Steelers were out of the playoffs. That was a prime time Tommy Maddox season, and the Ravens were in fact going to the playoffs. He played his starters for the longest time. They won that game, the final game of the regular season against the Steelers in Baltimore, if I recall correctly, in 2003. And it allowed the Steelers to have the number 11 pick, which ended up being somebody named Big Ben Roethlisberger. So I would use that as a cautionary tale, John Harbaugh. Sit everybody. That said, the Steelers have been known to lose to third and fourth teamers. Uh, they lost to, to Ryan Mallett at one point against the Ravens. Rest in peace, Ryan Mallett. But he came in there and beat, put a whooping on that team. So I nothing is out of the question for the Steelers team in Week 18. I mean, would you, if you're John Harbaugh, would you – you can't play Lamar Jackson because if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, uh, I mean. I think Johnson came in and threw a touchdown or, or Tyler. Um, Huntley, yeah. Yeah, Huntley. Uh, no, I'm saying like. Brenton, I think I know you, what you're saying. If, if you rest. Would you, play, would you play it to like screw the Steelers? Who like all time no, hated rival? He's not, he's not doing that. What, what are you going to say, Breach? I'm going to say that if you rest Lamar Jackson next week against Steelers, you don't even give him like the first half. He is going to go from December 31st to January 21st without playing a single game. And with time. their playoff history and the, the amount of struggles they've had, I don't know that's what John Harbaugh wants. So I would be surprised if they let their starters play. What if he gets hurt? Something. Bridge? What I, if he gets hurt? I, I mean, that's the debate coaches have all the time at the end of the season. Do I rest my starters or do I want to keep them hot going into the playoffs? And I think when you have the first round by, it's an even dicier question. He's the you MVP. cannot give your team three weeks off. He's the MVP. He's not no offense higher. He's not Tua Tonga by lower or even Brock Purdy. He's the MVP. He can handle. But you you okay. could you could play him for a half. Ha, no, and you tell TJ Watts out there acting crazy. I'm just saying, you tell Todd Munkin if you call a designed run, you're not only fired, you are executed at midfield at halftime. Well, there's no reason to and play him then if he's just going to be able to handle the ball off. Well, I'm just saying, you know, you go out there. He he makes some throws. Just don't let Lamar run. But you can put the Steelers in a bad spot. Forced them to play. They lost to the Cardinals and the Patriots. I mean, you're not, it's not worth it, is what I'm saying. It's not worth it. You don't have to worry about the Steelers. You want to face the Steelers in the playoffs. You'll beat them by a thousand points. Don't do it. All right, let's do it. Why don't we talk these play playoff scenarios? All right, let's start. We'll stay in the AFC. Baltimore's at the top. Miami's locked into the number two. It feels like, unless Buffalo thing happens, then Buffalo gets locked into the number two. But Kansas City feels pretty sure to be number three. Uh, Jacksonville and Houston still have to work some things out. Cleveland is the lock at number five. And then number seven, the Colts, Texans, and Steelers perhaps have to work some things out as well. So, Brinson, any direction you want to go here. Denver, Breaches, Bengals are out, Vegas is out, and all the other teams below that, of course, have been out. I So, the Dolphins have clinched a spot. 
I think the Bills are going to beat the pants off the Dolphins. And, and I'm not trolling Harry. I really just think that's what's going to happen in week 18. So I'll put the Bills at the two. Is that as, that's as high as they can. Because, yeah, Ravens, Ravens clinch one. Yep. I think Bills go to two. That means Dolphins at five. Chiefs at three. I will still take the Jaguars to get in as the four seed because they get the Panthers. And then my wild cards are obviously the Browns, who I have my Browns. Mm-hmm. Real quickly, Browns fans, stop tweeting me saying I predicted a 7-10 and 10 season. I did. I was wrong. You're starting your fourth quarterback. His name's Joe Flacco. I Browns love fans Joe Flacco. Keep tweeting at Brinson. He loves it. The fact that they're like, <laughs> you idiot. You didn't see us starting Joe Flacco as our fourth starting quarterback behind Deshaun, who played pretty terribly most of the season, P.J. Walker, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, without Nick Chubb and multiple offensive linemen, and winning 11 or 12 games. <laughs> you fool. If you gave that scenario to Browns fans, every single Browns fan would be like, we're winning five games. So shut up and stop All right, tweeting. Stay on, stay on point. It's almost New Year's Eve, and Bruce has things to do. It's my New Year's resolution. Um, I'll say that the Texans get in. I don't want the Steelers to get in. So I think uh, Texans and uh, Steelers. Or I, I can't remember what numbers are. Breach. Uh, I out. think the very interesting thing is Rams 49ers because the 49ers have the ones he locked up. They don't need to play anyone. Same question with, as the Ram or as the Ravens. Do you want to bench your guys for three weeks? Uh, so that's a big question mark. The Rams clinched a spot because the Seahawks lost. So the Rams are in right now. So they could theoretically bench their starters in week 18. And the question was, would, would they prefer the sixth seed or the seventh seed? Because if they win, they're locked in the sixth seed and then uh, probably playing the Lions. But if you're the seventh seed, you're playing the Cowboys. Which one do you feel more comfortable with? So there's a lot of stuff going well, on here. Just real quickly on that, I feel like Sean McVay had this opportunity previously a couple years ago and decided to re- – he's like, we can't control who we're going to play. We can only control our health. We're resting Great. our guys. And he's playing Kyle Shanahan, who's locked in the one seed, which means that you know – like, but they're boys. I think they're going to text and be like, let's rest everybody, run the ball, and just get out of Dodge. Take the oh, take the under in the 49ers Rams game in week 18, and the second you can, they are, they're right. going to play nobody. They're going to run the ball into the ground. Take the take the tenfold head off. Let let Breach continue <laughs> his crazy conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, go ahead, Breach. All right, here we go. So in the AFC, I've got Ravens one, Bills two, like Brinson, Chiefs three, Jags four, Browns five. Browns have clinched five, so they're five. Dolphins six, Colts seven. In the NFC, 49ers 1, Cowboys 2, Lions 3, Buccaneers 4, Eagles 5, Rams 6, six, and the Green Bay Packers at 7. So here's the thing. It's funny you say that. So Seattle still has a 30-something percent chance to make it, even though they, they lost to the Steelers today at home. If Seattle goes 1-1 one and, one and Green Bay wins out, Seattle is see ya. Green Bay is in. And um, it's early here, but uh, we're, we're recording this as Green Bay and Minnesota are playing, and Green Bay is, is doing better than Minnesota right now. We'll see how that sorts itself out. Uh, it's not to date ourselves, but um, all right. We'll circle back next week and have a lot more to say about this, but let's do some uh, Brentson VPs and Breach VPs and MVPs. Brentson, do you know, or do you want to circle back to you? Oh, I'm good. Go. Uh, actually, I need a second. Uh, you know what? I'll go. 
You no, I got one. I got I got one. I got one. Go ahead. Brinson VP. Jonathan Gannon, who got dragged by everybody everywhere in what? Philly for his weird comments. Oh. You don't blitz enough. Philly fans complaining about Jonathan Gannon, complaining he doesn't blitz enough, and he screwed up the Super Bowl and cost him the Super Bowl because he was interviewing for the Arizona Cardinals job. He takes this Cardinals team, a three-win team, into Philly. James Conner runs 26 times for 128 yards. Kyler Murray, 25 or 31, 232 and three touchdowns. Looks like an upgraded version of Jalen Hurts, like a, a faster Mighty Mouse version of Jalen Hurts. Wins the game, really Fs up the Eagles. Good for you, Jonathan Gannon. You got no good press. Here's a little snippet. Brinson, I mean, Breach, what's your Breach VP? You know, it should go against everything I stand for to have a Breach VP who beat the Bengals, but... I am going to give it to my boy, Harrison Butker, because he butt-kicked the Bengals. Oh, there it is. I had to use it. Uh, look, six field goals is as good as it gets in the NFL. You do not see a six-for-six six game that often. All of them were big, 46 yards, 48 yards, 24, 27, and 54. So we had three of those kicks that were over 46 yards. So this was not an easy day. Still drilled them all. Uh just the second kicker in the NFL this year to hit six field goals in a game go six to six. Justin Tucker was the other one. Uh, and the first kicker ever to do it in the regular season at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, it's, number, it's funny you mentioned number six because I have about 27 MVPs. One is to the Kansas City Chiefs defense for six sacks on Jake Browning, who again suffers the Rick's building revenge game. Rick, I mean, uh, Jake, keep your comments to yourself the next time you get cut. <laughs> It wasn't Jake's fault. Uh, also, Jake Jake losing since he said that is hilarious. And he apologized for it, which, feel, which makes it even worse. But I'm actually going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Najee Harris, 122 rushing yards breach. Jalen Warren, 75 rushing yards. Mason Rudolph, 274 passing yards. George Pickens, 131 receiving yards. Deontay Johnson, four targets, four receptions, 76 yards. He did try to throw the ball to the other team, but luckily he stepped out of bounds first. And then... The offense combined 468 yards of offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. No turnovers. That's what I'm talking about. This was our Super Bowl, even if they don't go to Super Bowl. Big win. Way to go, boys. Way and guess go. what, guys? I'm in the Eastern time zone. I'm going to celebrate New Year with you. We should just stay on till midnight. Let's do it. Woo! All right. Uh, let's not do that. Here. But before we get out of here, happy New Year to everyone who watches and listens. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. We wouldn't do this without you or something. That was sweet, Brinson. I think, I think, I think Breach and I are congrat, contractually obligated to do it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we would actually be fired if we didn't do this. But we do love the Pick 6 community and listeners and viewers. Oh, Wilson, you're so jaded and old. I was going to ask you if you were going to cry or not. That's all. All right. Yeah, you need to celebrate right. the uh the Bengals getting a, a jump start on the on the offseason breach. That's something you could celebrate. I'll be calling right, you this go. week to get some draft advice. And uh Brenton, you <laughs> can throw a drink at someone in the name of David Tepper, and I'm gonna go <laughs> go take a nap. All right, that's it. Happy New Year! Happy 17th, New Year! In the book. We will see you guys next year. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs>